0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good?
0: Wolfen, down your lunch. <laughs> serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. Alright, it is noon on a Thursday. We got a good Thursday night football game tonight. Good ish. Jets, Jaguars. I mean, carries a ton of weight for both teams. Yeah.
2: So, and I, it's in New York, and I, I think I saw one of the
0: um, NFL networks, somebody was doing a report. Probably like three degrees. Nasty weather. Yeah. All right, so we got that tonight. Right now, we got all of today's top sports stories in one place. Wolf and Down Your Lunch, and Zach Larson is here with, uh, with Wolf and Down Your Lunch today. What's
3: going on, Zach? Hey, I'm doing, doing pretty good. We're talking about football, so let's start there. Okay. With the Arizona Cardinals, who are just about set for their Sunday Christmas mismatch up against the tampa bay buccaneers it's nfl start number one for mr trace mcsorley he gets the nod after colt mccoy was ruled out after suffering a concussion in last week's game in denver mcsorley's first start comes against former cards defensive coordinator todd bowles who has coached one of the best defenses over the past two three seasons here's what mcsorley had to say real fast physical defense um and, and those are the type of things that we have to be ready for um be ready to you know just execute our game plan uh, what we do, and be detailed and exact in, in what we do, and you know, not forcing things down the field, just taking what we can get, um, and then being able to, you know, stay ahead of the sticks and be precise. You know, those those sort of things are things that that we've harped on a lot this year, and I think against this defense, with how they play, they're fast, physical, aggressive. You know, they got. You know, real good linebackers on the inside. Some, some good stuff that they do blitzing. That it'll be tough for us to be able to uh, detail that out during the week and then be able to execute on Sunday. So emphasis on executing the game plan, guys. What do you think would be the best game plan for Trace McSorley in his first start against Tampa Bay's defense? Run the wing (laughs) T. Well, you had a pretty definitive answer, so we're just gonna go with yours. (laughs)
0: Look, man, you you can't turn the ball over. I think I just try and put myself if I were in. Trace McSorley's shoes, right? And it's a conversation we have earlier today of like, this is a chance for me to put some good film out there, whether the Cardinals want me back next year or somebody else wants me or, you know, the Cardinals coaching staff is spread out over the league next year. That's possible, too. Whatever. Like, I want to go out there and and I want to showcase what I can do, but you got to be careful to not try and do too much. You got to hope that people around the league will understand subtly what you're doing right as opposed to you trying to go out there and throw four touchdowns and be the starter next year because I don't think that's an option. And... You're going to get yourself into trouble. So the biggest thing to me for Trace McSorley, run the ball and don't turn the ball over. And, and he can throw. I'm not saying he can't throw, but like you got James Conner and DeAndre Hopkins; those are your two best friends.
2: Yeah, and look, you know, Rick Stroud, who we had on earlier from the Tampa Bay Times, you know, pointed out like, uh, and, and I know Trace isn't a rookie, but he said, you know, young rookie slash young quarterbacks fared pretty well against Tom and Tampa. Yeah. The, the one thing with that defense, and he said all the right things, but they will challenge you and test you mentally in hopes of pummeling you physically. He talked about the linebacking core. We had Levante David on there, but that's the key, and ultimately, in order for, for Trace to put that good film, he's got to have some help from those dudes up front protecting him.
0: And honestly, for Trace McSorley, your objective is just go out there and lead your team to a win, even if it is 17 to is 17-14, 13-10. We haven't seen that here in a
3: long time, so just go out there and find a way to grind out a win. Alright, switching over to some basketball. The Phoenix Suns have a couple big time matchups over the weekend. First, facing the Memphis Grizzlies at the Footprint Center tomorrow night, and then late on Christmas night, a trip up to Denver to take on the Nuggets. A lot of questions for this team with Devin Booker out the past two games, of course losing to the lowly Washington Wizards. A little bit back and forth between D. A. Uh, Mikhail, and Monty, as well. All of them getting fired up in that game. For president of basketball operations, James Jones, he told Burns and Gambo yesterday that he's glad to see some emotion
1: from the. When players play poorly and they show no emotion, people get upset and say, oh, these guys don't care about it. Uh, when players play poorly and they make mistakes and they're emotional and they get after each other for saying, like, hey, man, we need to bring it, people get upset and say, oh, my gosh, they're too emotional. So for us, it's it's a part of competing at a high level. You know, our, our guys are not robots. We don't want them to be robots. We need to, them to play, and, to play off emotion. Um, and, and sometimes it's good. Other times it's not. But I I do know um, our guys compete, and, and that's why you see frustration.
3: Do you guys think playing off the emotion would be effective to at least win one of two games against two of the top teams in the West over the next couple games?
0: I think, you know, James Jones just hit something right there, specifically with DeAndre Ayton. People consistently are like, man, he needs to get more fired up in these games. He's got to, he's got to play with emotion, right? And 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 he was. And so, like I told you yesterday, I I don't, I can't write it off a hundred percent just because there's been a little like perceived weirdness between Da and Monty. Even though they just signed Da to an extension, it always kind of feels like, but are they going to trade him? Does he want out? When he signed, that just that's going to hang over this team until they, you know, we see them look better in the playoffs. That's just the reality. We get past January fifteenth, and Da hasn't been traded and they get in the playoffs and and they're fine, then I think that will go away. But he had 30 points. He was playing a pretty good game. And that's what people have wanted to see from D.A.
2: is, is emotion.
0: Right. And James hit it right on the head. And I think I
2: said this yesterday. Wh- which would you rather have? A team that just like doesn't care? In a, it, especially in a December game like that. Yeah, we should be winning, but we're not. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. You know, we, we play again You know, in a couple days. And the real back and forth started between Mikel and D.A. Not Monty and D.A. But that's what everybody continues to focus on. Oh, did you see Monty and Monty was telling both of them, (laughs) "Yeah, cut this nonsense out, man! (laughs) Trying to drop a play, trying to drop a play, or we are going to lose the win." (laughs) Yeah, you both screwed up. So let's
3: focus on the here and the now. All right, lastly, let's finish up with more basketball, but we go down to college basketball, and we have to talk about the murder that happened over in San Francisco last night. Number 25, Arizona State, fell behind to the Dons early, and I'll let the radio call do the rest of the talking here. Shabazz around a Meeks screen, gets to the
0: left elbow, passes out to Meeks, he shoots a three, that
1: one goes! Too bad they don't have the slaughter rule in college basketball. ASU is trailing by 30 with four and a
3: half minutes to go in the first half. Tim Healy and Kyle Dodd on the call. The Sun Devils would eventually lose 97-60. to 60. A really tough loss. They would trail at one point in this game by 47. This isn't the only pain Arizona sports fans have suffered this year with, of course, the Cards losing the wild card game to the Rams and then obviously the season so far. Game 7 against the Dallas Mavericks for the Suns. The entire ASU football season, it's just been a lot of pain, so... My question to you guys, has there ever been a year in Arizona sports with more depressing moments for the teams in the Valley? Ooh, <laughs> we might need an hour to dissect that. Um, yeah, pres- you're too young to remember, yeah. Zach.
0: So. <laughs> no. Well, okay, but I mean, it's a good question. Has there been a year, the calendar this calendar year, specifically two things, that Cardinals loss to the Rams and then total meltdown yeah. for the rest of the year and the Suns loss against the Mavericks. I don't. I mean, those are two of the most ridiculous moments in Arizona sports history, and they happen five months apart. And the Cardinals haven't recovered. Hold on a second. I'm,
2: I had canceled my therapy appointment, but I'm just <laughs> splitting them. Hey, Ray has picked up the phone. Yeah.
0: Most of my uh,
2: most of my Arizona sports. Thanks, content. Zach. I, You know, I
0: had moved You're on late uh, December.
2: I thought I was done. When is New Year's? Like <laughs> nine days
0: away. All right. All right. That was wolfing down your lunch. Uh, thank you, Zach. When we come back, the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl just 2 years ago and now they are clinging on to a slim lead in the worst division that any of us has ever seen in the NFL. We're going to talk about the Cardinals opponent on Christmas night. Next it's Wolf and Luke Kevin Ray and for Wolf, on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Just so you know, I didn't lose my mind two segments ago, K-Ray. I finally figured out what was going on when we were doing fulcrum football. Right. And, you know, typically. Oh, yeah, because you were on some site that was listing just random people. A very prominent website, right? Okay, so they usually just have the depth charts up. Usually they don't have to. Usually fulcrum football is easy. But right. now that nobody on the Cardinals is playing anymore and the Buccaneers are awful, it's like, okay, I'd like to pick some Buccaneers. Right. So pulled up the stats page just to make sure anybody. Like, I was, I was looking for Mike Evans. Like, I haven't really. I've seen some Mike Evans highlights. It's not much. This is the lineup, and this is a, a major website that would have this stuff, right? Okay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, player stats, 2022, all right? Uh, team leader, Tom Brady, uh, passing yards. Rushing leader, uh, Leonard Fournette. Okay, you start to get down the actual stats. Here's the roster. Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Henry Parrish Jr. is their running back. Uh, Will Mallory, tight end, leading receiver. This is the Miami Hurricanes roster. <laughs> What is going on? And I only was able to put it together because Tyler Van Dyke's name looked familiar. And then when I saw Will Mallory, I was like, I thought he was still in college. (laughs) So they just have the Hurricanes roster. And I'm assuming nobody's calling them on it because that's how bad it's been for the Buccaneers this season. People have just lost that much interest. Okay. I mean... This is impressive. They have the Miami Hurricanes defensive stats, which you don't typically... Although this, they do have Ryan Suckup on there. They still have him for points. I don't know what's going on, but it is um, emblematic of just how bad the Buccaneers have been this season. And I figured, look, it's been a long enough season of the way it's gone for the Cardinals. Let's pile on another team, right? They're playing a team that's not good. Right. Um, We probably won't be able to pile on on Monday and Tuesday next week because Tampa Bay will probably win the game. So we may as well do it now. Uh, There is the storyline going into this one. Cliff Kingsbury coaching against... Tom Brady and those two know each other. Here's Cliff
1: from Wednesday. Yeah, he was awesome. I think you can see um, the friendships that he's had over the years. I mean, he's been good to all those guys, and that's why whether it's Castor, Jimmy G, Brissett, um, you know, he, he definitely tries to mentor him and, and work with him. And um, so he he was phenomenal, and every guy that's gone through there, I think, it w- would say the same thing. Uh, More from Kingsbury talking about just Brady in general. No, not just the total commitment. Lifestyle, sleep, eat, um study work that he's put into that i mean it's it's insane um I, like when i got there i remember thinking i thought i worked hard and then i watched what he did and put into it and it was just on a whole different level and to watch where it's come um you know there's a reason he's he's the best there ever was and it'd be hard to catch him at the rate he's going gone. So I mean I joke about this a lot and
0: it's not really a joke. I I don't like the fact that you know Brady's just going to sneak in with probably what a 7 win team, probably going to win 7, maybe 8, you to get in, they're going to host a playoff game.
2: Yeah, and, and for the you know for the for the fans who just can't find a way to, to compliment and acknowledge you know his, his greatness. I think it's just cuz we've been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and you feel like shouldn't there be an expiration
0: date on how many times like is it, or shouldn't you at least have to win 10 games to make the playoffs? Like right. if he and wants to do it at age 45 that is a great story. Yeah. But but winning 6 games to get in is not. I just think
2: it I just think in for for those poor f- people it just I mean it has to be even more salt in a wound like he's on a bad team and he's still gonna make still the playoffs and, and could still potentially play the role of spoiler and Rick Stroud we had him on earlier and yeah Through few the Cowboys and the Cowboy fans just based on on their recent playoff history and by recent I mean the last 26 years
0: <laughs> you go Really? With that that's who we got to face? That's where we got to go? <laughs> Just put yourself in that spot. Let's say you're going, and you you may not have to put your. You might just be in that spot calling the games for Dallas. But it's entirely possible, and in fact, likely that in a couple of weeks, okay, first round of the playoffs. Here we go. Let's, let's set the scene. Okay, Philadelphia probably gets first round by unless something they just completely melt down. You know, Kansas City or Buffalo has a first round by over in the AFC. Okay, first weekend of games, Dallas, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay hosting the game. The records don't matter at that point. Obviously, because Tampa Bay will be hosting the game. Dallas, the far superior team. Are you really going to feel that confident that you're just going to walk right through that team? Nope. <laughs>
2: <I'm just laughs> How can you? you?
0: I just say it in fabric. It will be the third time
2: that they will have met in um, a little over a calendar year and a half yeah because uh, they met regular season opener this year they met the regular season opener the the year prior that was a good game the, the year prior yeah really good i game. mean really good game this year was close uh i i said as much at the time cowboys should have won that game and quite frankly the reason they didn't is because they played no one in the preseason at all it was the first game for anybody and sounds you, familiar y- yeah um, and, you know, we, we talk about being on the soapbox for, for NBA guys playing. I mean, that's a completely different story. That, that's a game. And Danny White, who was my partner, and I said at the time, like, that's the kind of loss in a 17-game season. You're just like chalking up to, <clears throat> yeah, we're ramping up in the regular season. This all sounds very familiar. And, and,
0: <laughs> and could likely cost you. Well, guess yeah. what? It cost you. Yeah. <laughs> it's already cost you. Fortunately for the Cardinals, it didn't cost them. Nobody's looked back and being like, hey, if you were prepared, you would have beat the Chiefs and everything would be fine. Because <laughs> that's not the, not the case. But the reason I bring up the Dallas matchup is we're all going to watch this game Sunday, I think. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time as the Suns. I'll be watching it at least. Um, there's not anything that Tampa Bay could do in this game. The Cardinals could go out there and win 21-7. Um, And now with Trace McSorley, you know, that's makes it a little bit tougher. But like, let's just say the Cardinals win. We're all going to still have that second thought when the the Buccaneers are playing the Cowboys in the first round of like, yeah, they're awful. But it is Brady and it's a it's a one game situation. There are still a lot of guys on Tampa that were on that team when they won the Super Bowl just two years ago. They've obviously got issues. Uh, and nobody would ever look at that and say, "Oh, Tampa's the better team." Dallas is actually a good team this year. Tampa is not. Well, remember, but it's a one and done.
2: And, and I know it was a different scenario, but you remember two years ago when Tampa won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and they had to go to Green Bay. Green Bay. Green Bay was clearly the best team. Aaron Rodgers was the league MVP. Uh, they had all their weapons. They were fully healthy. They could have and should have won that game. Tom Brady had a horrendous first half through two or three interceptions in that game. I think two in the first half left the door wide open for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to go win that game. Aaron Rodgers couldn't at home because number 12, like we've seen number one and other great players do all if, if, his guys keep it close for him, and that game is going into the fourth quarter, and it is a one-possession game or less than a score game. <laughs> Give me TB12. We, I mean, how many more examples do you need to see? He's won three. I mean, as Rick Stroud put, like this season, as bad as their team has been, he's won three games single-handedly
0: yeah. with, with his play. I can tell you, for me, what's, what's frustrating about it is um, – you see people leaving the door open for Brady right now. The door's being left open. Like, really, Carolina, you can't just win seven games. Atlanta, you can't just win seven. New Orleans, you right. can't just win seven games. So you're going to leave the door open for Brady. And like you said, if we're watching that game and Brady, the, the game a couple of years ago, you're spot on. Brady was horrible. Green Bay left the door open. Well, I'll, I'll just take the Super Bowl then. If nobody wants it, I will just take another Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's tough to watch about it. Now, for me, the frustration is because, where, where I was just done with the Patriots by the end of their run was Brady coming out and, OK, this is our third Super Bowl in five years. Nobody believed in us. Like, really? You win the Super Bowl every other year. <laughs> so now I'm just gearing up and I've told Wolf this and, and I'm sorry if you've heard this and, and, and you've already you're going to have to hear it again and get ready in three weeks is going to happen. If Tampa wins one playoff game, nobody's going to talk about anything in the media about the other five games in the first weekend, it's going to be, all Brady, the, the ultimate American underdog story. Here he goes. He's won a playoff game. You get to start in the this, playoffs. This team of misfits. Seriously. <laughs> you won the Super Bowl two years ago. You're not winning any games, and you get a free pass. You just get to start in the playoffs. Nobody got that. So... Um, I guess that's a long way of saying I hope the Cardinals beat them on Sunday. <laughs> but when we had Rick Stroud on earlier, he did say likely no Vita Vey. It wasn't like he hasn't been ruled out. He's been, he's questionable. But right. if they don't have him, um, Tampa gets significantly worse. All right, text us your thoughts to the Findle text line at six twenty six twenty 620 right now. When we come back, okay, the Suns have an owner. It's, you know, he's not officially in that position yet, but it sure sounds like he's going to be the owner. How does that potentially impact what James Jones can do now going forward the rest of the season? Well, he told us, and so we're going to react next. It's Wolf and Luke. Kevin Ray in for Wolf and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf. And Luke. Arizona Sports. So it's a reasonable question since the Suns have not made any moves this season. And it's not like a bunch of other teams are making moves. It's not unheard of to have not made a move yet or a trade or anything by December 22nd. But the Suns, I think most would agree, could stand to make at least a move or two before the deadline, which I wasn't joking before. It's seven weeks from today. So the fact that the Suns haven't done anything and, you know, the extra wrinkle with them is they do have Jay Crowder just sitting there. It was, it was worth wondering how much of that was ownership, right? How much is just ownership uncertainty? Does that, does that tie your hands, if you're James Jones, as, as far as what you can do? He was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and first they asked him about uh, any sort of resolution to potentially dealing Jay Crowder.
2: Any resolution? Uh, did you foresee any resolution coming quickly on the trade front, or is that something that's still a work in progress?
1: It's still a work in progress.
0: And they asked him how much he has had to kind of hold off until they've had an owner with actually making moves. I've had the ability to do some things. Um,
1: evidently, when you're, when you're like where we are, um, just not us, but the other other franchises and the, you know, counterparts, they think about, okay, um, what's the likelihood something will be able to get done? Uh, So it it ices it, it chills it a little bit, but um, as far as business, we've been able to to have the conversations and and focus on the things we think can improve the team, and uh, we'll continue to do so going forward. So that doesn't
0: sound like he was totally just, like, tied, couldn't do anything, right? It sounded like there was at least some ability, if some amazing trade came along, that he liked, but I'll go back to what I said earlier, K Ray. I still think you were limited in terms of making like a big deal. Yeah, and and look, part of that is
2: by design. And, and so, kind of a two part answer here. The the whole thing with Jay, like if people felt like Robert was going to try to be a, a stick in the mud and create an issue with this, he would have stepped up and. Somehow some way communicated i 'm not paying for somebody you know because he 's still at the time paying yeah. i'm not i 'm not paying for somebody that 's not producing so i don 't care if there's the deal you like that 's true. Him, get him off the books, yeah, that was not the case the The by design part from from James comes as a result he just didn 't think it was in the best interest of. The team, or Jay, but more team than Jay. Like, if you're not in, you're not in. You, you can't be halfway in, or you can't be all in this week and maybe in next week. So, you're 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 a, doing a greater service to your team. I know that you'd love to have that fresher body out there because nobody could have foreseen the the injuries that they have dealt with. But um, I, I I don't think that there's been any issue holding. James back from a deal other than getting the best deal. Fans were were and are generally impatient. That's been one of James' great attributes is being patient. And I think as he had the Suns gotten mired in a 10 or 12 game losing streak and all of a sudden they go from 2 to 7 to 10, maybe there would have been more urgency. It's like, OK, we, we can't keep falling out of this picture. Look at the West. The Suns are currently sitting in the four spot, a game back, and the ten spot Minnesota is three back of the Suns. <laughs> so <laughs> so he's as long like, as you're
0: in there, you're fine.
2: Why am I going to rush into a bad deal? I can wait and let this kind of sort out, and at the same time, hope and maybe believe that an ownership deal is going to get done sooner than later, which will bring that clarity we talked about yesterday, and then put me and our organization in a better position to have a clearer picture of what we can do and what we want to do. And at the same time, those teams that you were fighting with earlier, maybe above you, are now falling back in the pack and they're looking at, the realistic picture and going okay maybe we don't want to be paying this guy 17 million this year cuz i'm not sure that we have the sustainability here so who do we want to let go who do we want to negotiate with you know who's got an expiring contract oh this
0: guy does it is it's going to be a very Unique second half to this season, first of all, from the sun's perspective because you 're going to have to get something for james Jones or for Jay Crowder uh, before the the trade deadline james jones is, is going to have to move him yeah. i mean you can 't obviously you can 't have him sit out all year and then leave um so you 're going to get have to get something, but I think it's going to be fairly anticlimactic at that point. What are you really going to get? You know teams know you have to move him the closer we get to the deadline, I would assume his value at a certain point, starts to go down. I don't think we're there yet, but I, you know his value on what's the deadline, February ninth. I would assume it's going to be a little bit lower then than it is on December twenty second because teams are going to be like, well, you know, I'll give you take it or leave it. Otherwise, you are going to get nothing for him. So there is there is a place there where you are going to need to trade him. But to your point, they've survived. They're fine. You know, they're game out of first. The, the, the bigger issue is you got to get something for him. Because you're trying to construct that team that's going to go deeper in the playoffs this year than last year. It hasn't hurt you in the standings. You do have to keep an eye on it because right now you are one game out of first, but you're four and a half games out of not even being in the play-in tournament. And that team who's in 11th right now is Golden State. So let's just go ahead and assume they're going to be in the top six by the end of the season. Right. So you have to keep an eye on it. But as far as needing to rush to do it, it hasn't hurt you at all yet. You're right there. You're a game out of first. No, I- exactly. Um, and, you know, as far as, as Jay
2: goes, uh, I think we've all probably understand, I mean, it's not going to be a one-for-one deal. I mean, it's probably most likely going to, to be and have to be a sort some sort of a multi-team agreement Yeah, where you've got multiple ple- pieces and players moving around. But, you know, you... You cast an eye to the Eastern Conference, like the team that was here, you know, a few nights ago. Uh, you, you look at, at their record. A month ago, they were in the playoff picture. Now they're not. Um, they snapped a ten-game winning streak or ten-game losing streak, you know, against the Suns. But that's not a team right now that looks like oh, once they get really healthy they 're going to be a threat in the east, no, they 're not, and so you start looking at like from from their financial standpoint what what makes sense for them uh, and using that guy, Kuzma, as a specific example he's already said i'm not i'm not picking up my player option, yeah, so that's a guy that is almost
0: with certainty going to be moved somewhere, and that's the sort of guy to use him as the example of if the Suns traded for him and it probably would take more than Jay Crowder you're probably going to throw in a pick at least to get Kyle Kuzma you would think you need an owner to sign off on that because you're not trading for Kyle Kuzma for 2 months 3 months what's the point i mean you probably you want to trade for him with the thought of hey We're going to sign you, and we're going to get this done now. So, like you, you just—it's not that you couldn't do it before. It doesn't sound like, at least according to James Jones. But boy, it just leaves a lot wide open. You could make that trade and think, okay, we're we're going to give this up. We're going to give up a first-round pick for this guy, but we plan on signing him. The new owner, when before you knew who it was, could come in and be like, no, I'm not. No, (laughs) it's not how we're doing things here. So now it at least opens the doors a little bit. And the other part, uh, real quick, of of why this is going to be such a unique second half to the season, I think teams are still figuring out the play-in tournament in terms of like okay if we're going to be like a 9 or a 10 seed is it worth us not trading away a piece like Kuzma and factor in that we're going to get to a point whenever it is where teams that don't feel like they can contend are going to drop off quickly for Victor Wembanyama or at least have a shot at Victor Wembanyama right so it's going to be an odd second half to this season cuz you don't typically see a player that good available in the draft <laughs> <laughs> I and told he's you quite good. We were, were Wolf and I were in here. I don't know. It was probably like two months ago, and they were showing one of his games, but there was no label on the game on the TV, right? And so we're just talking. The game's on in the background. It's just NBA TV, and they just happened to be showing it, and you couldn't tell if it was like an international game, whatever, you know, replay of a game. And it took about five seconds to be like, that guy shouldn't be out there with these guys. Like this isn't fair. Whoever that is, and then you could quickly figure out who yeah, it was. He stands up pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, the football season is winding down, but you still have time to get in on Bix picks, text picks To 620 620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75 inch TV, courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners are going to receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to Cold Beers and Cheeseburgers. So text pick to 620 620 to enter. All right, when we come back, week 16 starts tonight. Pretty good game tonight, or at least a meaningful game tonight. We'll give you our five star games. Next, it's Wolf and Luke. K Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Five star, five star, five star, five games, 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 games. The NFL's best games, as predicted by Ron Wolfley and Luke Lipinski, powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. Alright, time for five star games. Week 16 edition. Kevin Ray is in for Wolf today and just as a public service announcement to everybody out there who plans on watching football this weekend. Yes, the Cardinals play on Sunday but the majority of games, like the Sunday slate, the typical Sunday slate is actually on Saturday. So if you want to, if you're still in the fantasy football playoffs, if you just want to watch football, if you're looking for an excuse to avoid family because they've been around too much lately, whatever it is, that's going to be Saturday. That's when most of the games are. So, I mean, there's three on Sunday. It's a little spread out. but there's... If your Christmas spirit has expired. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, uh, do I really want to talk to you again, or would I rather watch Texans Titans? Uh, all right. Okay. How many... You don't have to have any five-star games, or you could have up to 16. Do uh, any of them stand out to you? Because to me, there's like... Uh, there's probably like five or six games I'm interested in, but there's really only one that you could qualify as a five-star game for me. And I would I would venture that that is Philadelphia and Dallas, although there's no Jalen Hurts, so it's like a 4.8-star game. Yeah, I mean...
2: Uh a week ago, I would have definitely said, and most everybody would agree, that it was a five-star game. But the Cowboys, cowboyed on Sunday in Jacksonville, and the the Eagles lost Jalen Hurts, and yeah, there is still. A mathematical chance for the Cowboys to win the division, but it's not realistic. I mean, Philly needs to win one of three in Dallas order to, have to, win out. to clinch the division, yeah. and, and Dallas would have to win out. Um, and I I'm not even sure that that is possible in, against Gardner Minshew. So, yeah, I, I would put that game, is it about. You know
0: 4.5 4.75 on the on the star meter if it were in Philadelphia though Mike the Parsons going to Philadelphia after his comments last week which I really didn't think were bad when I heard them and they were yeah yeah when I saw the headlines I was like oh okay that's that's one way to go about it you're gonna call out Jalen hurts before you you play them at least one more time and maybe in the playoffs too and then I heard the actual interview and I was like like I'm not a Cowboys fan but I, what, what did he say that was wrong <laughs> no Nobody, you know,
2: nobody was in an uproar about because Von Miller was basically in yeah. agreement. He didn't yeah. say anything to suggest otherwise. Just oh yeah, he's in the AFC playing for a team that we don't yeah. care about. It's
0: not, it's not an issue for <laughs> Philly direct. Look, it's Philly Dallas. It, Micah Parsons could have said, you know, I really like Philly, and they'd be like, shut up, don't talk about our team. Are <laughs> right. uh, you have anybody else? Any other games up there that you like? There's, there's a few I like, but I, I can't, I can't in good conscience call Detroit Carolina a five star game. I just can't. No, I, I'm not even sure there's any
2: others that jump into the
0: four-star range. Yeah. Um, there's some games that are compelling. Compelling, right. But not necess- there's no guarantee there's going to be great football played in them. Right.
2: Um, Giants-Vikings only because of kind of what is at stake for both teams in terms of Playoff picture and creating some, you know, some postseason synergy for the Vikings. You know, uh, will will they get themselves in a big hole again and, and rally and? You know, the Giants just continue to kind of find ways to stay in the playoff picture despite, as we
0: said yesterday, you look on that roster, you're like, how are they doing this? I I just keep thinking they're going to drop out. I can at least buy in a little bit to the Commanders as a playoff team, and I know that they're, they're the seventh seed right now and the Giants are the sixth seed. The Giants, I just look at that team and I'm like, it's Brian Dable and Saquon Barkley, and I know there's more to it than that, but if they get in the playoffs, like, Dable needs to get serious considering for Coach of the Year getting that team in there. Uh, you're right, that's that's definitely one, because it has major playoff implications. Uh, Minnesota actually could still catch Philadelphia for the number one seed in the NFC, and that's a free first-round win, so that's <laughs> Philadelphia's going to need to make sure they lock that If They have the tiebreaker, they beat Minnesota right. handily, because it was Kirk Cousins on primetime. Uh, Packers-Dolphins, for a variety of reasons. One, the
2: Packers, you know, again, as Aaron has said, we, you know, we're not mathematically out of it. You know, we just all we got to do is win this week, and then win Next week and have a couple things happen, and so far that's transpired. They're and
0: not that far out of it, right? A
2: game and a half out of a playoff spot. Yeah, and, and with Tua and the Dolphins, they they represented themselves well against the Bills, but still wasn't a win. It's still a loss. Yeah, um, and they kind of need to restore order a little bit. So I think that there's because it's you know Aaron Rodgers a little bit too. What we were talking about with
0: Tom Brady. Uh, I think that one's that that one carries some weight and some intrigue for me. Miami's interesting because they've lost three in a row. Yep. All two really good teams, 49ers, Chargers, and Bills on the road. They are the last playoff team right now. So if you at the start of the season, you know, they look like they were gonna maybe challenge the Bills for the division. Uh, even if you didn't believe that, and I didn't, but I figured they'd be a playoff team. They might not be a playoff team if they don't get this figured out. Their schedule the rest of the way is Green Bay. Okay, that's I mean it's not a hard game, but it's not an easy game either. In New England against the Patriots, which might be for that final playoff spot. And as long as the Patriots don't run some weird play at the end of the game, that, that's a tough team. <laughs> and then it's the Jets in Week 18. And if you look at the playoffs right now in the AFC, it's basically the Chargers, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. Those four teams fighting for two spots, although you could also, you can't write the Jaguars off yet because they're only a game behind Tennessee for first in their division. Yeah, and and, and we, we I think we both kind of fast forwarded into the week. T- tonight's, tonight's game.
2: Yeah, tonight's uh, is a good one. I, I would put that as, a, as maybe a four star game just because of the, the significance that it carries for both teams. Uh, you've got Zach Wilson back as a starter. Didn't play terrible last week. He wasn't a reason or the reason that they lost that game. And Jacksonville, man, they are balling. Trevor Lawrence guy is this thrown was supposed to happen thir- 13 touchdowns and two interceptions in
0: the last 11 games. That's pretty good. Pretty good. And and this is not this is not Brock Purdy coming out of nowhere and being like, "Okay, well let's see how long this goes." This is the number 1 overall pick who people were saying was the best quarterback prospect since what Andrew Luck when he got drafted and yeah. If you look at last year with all the Urban Meyer stuff, and, and he obviously wasn't on a good team, you don't typically join a good team when you're the number one overall pick. It's not, it's not ridiculous to think he is turning a corner to becoming one of the better young players. In the well, it, it, it's and we said this on the broadcast last week. I mean, it, it's just another example of
2: why. Not just coaching, but good coaching matters. I've always admired and respected Doug Peterson. He's got a game plan, both like for his players, for short term, long term. And you're seeing Trevor Lawrence now reap the rewards and benefits of that. You know, fortunately, Urban Meyer wasn't around long enough to screw the kid up too much. He, he and and he's a he's just a, a sharp, smart, mature kid to begin with. Um, he's got weapons around him, and and they're not. Com- Completely healthy. So that's a team to keep your eye on, I think, uh, on the AFC side of things.
0: Uh, a couple other games to keep an eye on this weekend. Uh, Chiefs, Seahawks. I don't know why I'm compelled by this other than Seattle's going to miss the playoffs if they don't figure it out, and the Chiefs should be able to help push them out of the playoffs. <laughs> A little bit. Right now, Seattle's 7-7. Seven and seven. The NFC playoff picture is, you basically know the top five are in. Philly, Minnesota, San Francisco, I would say Tampa, and Dallas. You basically know those five are in. So then you got the Giants at 8-5-1. and one. Thanks for the tie, guys, to make this that much more difficult to do. <laughs> uh, the Commanders at 7-6-1. and one. Seattle at Seven seven and Detroit at seven and seven. Basically, two of those four: Giants, Commanders, Seahawks, and Lions are going to get in. Maybe Green Bay, if they went out, could could sneak in. But probably two of those four. And for a while, the the salt in the wound for Cardinals fans this season was not only our are, are, is, is the local team not going to be good. Seattle's going to just cruise right into the playoffs. Eh. Probably not right now. I mean, they, they, they have a tough schedule here coming up, too, and they are on the outside looking in. So, you know, typically if you want to see a team lose, it's nice to see them play the
2: Chiefs. But the difference for Seattle fans, I mean, yes, the way the season started, uh, you know, because nobody expected them to be in it with a trade of Russell Wilson. But the, the difference for Seattle, and I know you can't take away the sting of, boy, we were in the playoffs and now we're out, what
0: do they got, like, 12 first-round picks yeah. come in. They as have Denver so. this year, which is going to be like two, three, yeah. maybe, maybe four. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So yeah. there's that to warm their hearts. At the start of the year, Wolf and I used to debate this, and I was like, I don't want – because Seattle was supposed to be bad at right. the start of the year. I was like, I don't want Seattle to be 2-15. and 15. And everybody's like, what is the problem? Like, well, I want them to be like 7-10, and 10, miss the playoffs. But you don't have a high pick, so right. you can't middle-of-the-road pick. I didn't account for Denver just completely imploding and being horrible, so they're going to have a good pick either way, so it doesn't really matter. The other one to keep an eye on just for playoff implications is Washington-San Francisco because, what I just said right there, Washington being right in the thick of the playoff race, the bottom of the NFC uh, picture, and San Francisco just quietly winning every single week. I think their last loss was October. October. I mean, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. That is that
2: is the dark horse. And real quickly, back to Seattle. This just kind of popped in my head when we were talking about their draft picks. I really hope that whomever is representing the Seahawks in the draft next year. And where, Do we know where it is next year? Where the draft is? Yeah. I just always assume Vegas now. Oh, I think maybe maybe that is the I'll, case. I'll, I can figure yeah. that out. Anyway, not um, Cleveland. I can tell I, you that. <laughs> I'm I'm hopeful that whoever is representing Seattle with their draft pick, that when they get up and say, representing the Seattle Seahawks with the third selection is so and so, the first thing they say is. Let's
0: ride.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome.
0: It's in Kansas City, by the way, so they'd all applaud. They'd be uh, like, no, that's great." I mean, <laughs> just pile on the Broncos. Why not? Uh, yeah, that's where the draft is. That would be. Yeah, <laughs> you almost get like you get it like a compensatory third round pick if you do that. All right, we'll just throw you another one. We'll take another one from New England for Spygate from like ten years ago. All right, uh, we come back. We will get into some basketball, and you know who we're going to talk to about the basketball? Is we're going to talk to Kellen Olsen about the basketball. Yeah, he's this I got killing our own son's insider. He's in the bullpen warming up right now. He'll join us next. It's Wolf and Luke. K. Ray in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.